it just got really bad you know we had two kids and I was getting to the point where I couldn't remember putting my kids to bed when I was drinking I didn't want to put my kids to bed when I was drinking I was making stupid decisions you know started um you know just ordering like bags of coke on the weekends party drugs and it just got really nasty and just you know Ash and I would be fighting you know and it it was getting to the point you know waking up hating like hating who i was boom what is happening lovely people welcome to another episode of the real drug talk podcast my name's jack nagel and on this show we talk about all things alcohol drugs addiction addiction recovery and anything else interesting in the space um today's show was really cool uh we got to interview someone else who has a podcast in this space uh, that is also a lot bigger than ours, um, which we'll tell you about in a second. Uh, But as always, this show is brought to you by Connection Based Living, um, which is our coaching program service that helps people to break addictive patterns without having to go to rehab. So if you're someone that doesn't want to go through the traditional route, but wants some change and doesn't want to be locked away from family and friends for 30, 60, 90 days with a bunch of strangers in the middle of nowhere, all that kind of stuff, um, we might be able to help. Uh, If you head down to the show note descriptions and click the links, um, there's some details there and yeah, feel free to get in touch with us and give us a call. And if we can't help, we'll point you in the right direction. Um, so on today's show, we had Danny, 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 <laughs> we had Danny Carr from the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. Um, that podcast is doing amazing things. I saw her post a photo on her Instagram the other day. It's like up in the top 10 of self-improvement or whatever it is. So yeah, it's really kind of pulling in some big numbers, which indicates that it's good and a lot of people like it. So if you haven't heard it, um, would love for you to go over there and, and have a listen. Um, but yeah, it was just awesome talking to Danny. She is amazing at articulating her story and you know, what went on through her drinking and explain it all. And I think, you know, more importantly, how she found the way out um, is really interesting as well and, you know, might inspire other people to, yeah, start to think about quitting alcohol or changing their relationship with it as well. So, yeah, really, really cool stuff. Um, uh, love the the chat and the conversation um and again head over and and check out their podcast um so we'll jump into the show in a second guys i feel like i'm banging on and always talking about new things um (laughs) but as i have said on some of the other podcasts i personally have had a shocker start to the year um which has just kind of interrupted things and all the plans that we had um uh but the exciting thing about that is I'm starting the year again as of now. Um, so we're running on the financial year cycle here in Australia. Um, so something that I've really wanted to do is just, I guess, connect with people a little bit more um, and uh, yeah, just hear what's going on with them and, you know, just not become like a service or a guy speaking into the mic in his home office, which I'm doing right now. Uh, yeah, I'd actually like to kind of make this a bit of a two-way conversation if I can. Um, so if anyone's interested, uh, something that we started last year that was kind of popular, but again, just got derailed, was a weekly newsletter that I'm putting out via email um, uh, that people can actually reply to. And yeah, we can have a bit of an email conversation and yeah, start to build the uh, the collective consciousness and um, ideas around breaking stigma and you know advocating for change in the alcohol and drug space and all that kind of stuff um, yeah and and the main reason is is because I want to create community and connection out of this show um, so if anyone wants to join the um, the email list it's called um, the hump day om uh, and there's a little bit of an explanation about that. Um, on the page to subscribe to the list Um, yeah we'd love it if you subscribe to the list and you know we're not going to spam you or anything it's just one email a week 
plus the update of this podcast and it will come from my jack at connection based living email because that's my actual um email that i roll with um yeah we'd love to um have you on the list and and start that conversation because the more um conversations we have about this stuff the more change that will happen so we'd love for you to join um and the other thing that we're doing to build community and really have a two-way conversation with this podcast is we're putting quite a bit of effort into our facebook group um which is called Safe Space um, Addiction Support Family for Family and Friends. Uh, sorry, family, family and friends, family and users. So anyone can join that's been impacted by addiction. And again, we're really going to invest most of our energy from a social media standpoint in there to try and build community because again i just don't want this podcast to be me speaking into the mic um and yeah not having the feedback and the two-way conversation it's really cool to get other people involved so that's it i'll shut up um i promise we'll try not to keep putting out um new stuff uh but really hope that you're enjoying the podcast i think it's going to be released on thursdays now we're still playing around with the days um just because that's the best day and we get the most listens um and we've got a couple of other things happening with the podcast which we'll let you know about soon um but nevertheless enjoy the episode with uh the superstar that is danny carr from the how i quit alcohol podcast enjoy the show guys peace all right boom Welcome everybody to another episode of Real Drug Talk. Now, I'm excited today because um, we're starting to get people come forward and uh, tell us about other awesome people doing podcasts um, and how they've been helped through other people's podcasts. And our guest today, Danny, is one of those people from the I Quit Alcohol podcast. Um, uh, And yeah like or is it how i quit alcohol sorry i always fuck everything up (laughs) no you don't know it's how i quit alcohol but that's fine it all works there we go um so i had lots of people coming to me um saying hey i listened to this podcast it's awesome it helped me heaps and then i went and uh looked at instagram as you do um and saw all the amazing things uh that danny's doing and i was like oh wow uh and then yeah just saw that the podcast is super successful and doing really well so um, I'm excited to uh, hear her story and yeah, understand a little bit of what's behind um, yeah, the successful podcast and everything you're doing. So how are you, mate? Oh, I'm really good. Thank you. And thank you for having me on and thank you for such no an worries. awesome intro. Now it's uh, the morning. Sorry, everybody. I'm half drinking coffee, as you can probably hear me sipping away there. That's gross. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, it's real drug talk. That's how we roll. So as I explained to Danny before I um, jumped on camera um, was uh, what I like to do when I have people come forward and recommend and all that, and I haven't heard of them or met them before, I try not to go and listen to podcasts and hear their story and all that sort of stuff. So um, we're, we're coming in fresh here. Uh, so fresh. can you give me the three minute snapshot? It doesn't have to be exactly three minutes. Everyone freaks out, <laughs> but the three minute <laughs> snapshot of like your story and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Wow. Okay. So I just, you know, started drinking at a very early age at around about 13. I grew up in central Victoria in a place called Castle, Maine. Oh, you grew I, up in Vic in Castle, Maine. Nice. I sure did. Um, and huge drinking culture there with the teenagers, you know, nothing much to do, hang around the oval, get drunk, get all the rest of it. And, um, and that just became the way that we, we were, that's what we did on the weekends. So we just fucking got hammered every weekend, got up to no good and kind of laugh it off, dust ourselves off the next day. And that was my teen years. And then in my twenties, that just carried on and just more of the same this time I guess more I guess in your 20s you're starting to become a bit more of an adult and alcohol is not just about a kind of like getting through the weekends with your mates it's also about dealing with a bit of what life is throwing at you yeah yeah. which definitely is the case in your 30s yeah and I'm now um, I'm now 45 and I think we quit when I was about 40 so I married his name's Ash Grunwald. He's an Australian blues musician. And just within the, the music scene, I guess, we just it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, this binge drinking culture yeah. that we were in. And so within the music industry, it's expected. You know, it's yeah. one of the only jobs where you can turn up. I'm, I'm a musician as well. Um, and it's one of the only jobs where you're expected to drink at work. 
Yeah. You know, um, yeah. you'd be horrified if a plumber turned up to your place half pissed <laughs> and uh, you wouldn't let him touch your pipes. So, um, and it just got really bad. You know, we had two kids and I was getting to the point where I couldn't remember putting my kids to bed when I was drinking. Yeah. I didn't want to put my kids to bed when I was drinking. I was making stupid decisions, you know, started, um, you know, just ordering like bags of Coke on the weekends, party yeah. drugs. And it just got really nasty and just, you know, Ash and I would be fighting, yeah. you know, and it, it was getting to the point, you know, ma- waking up, hating, like hating who I was, yeah, hating the person that I was like, what the fuck, what did I do last night? And when you can't, can't remember what you've done from the night before, who you've offended, you know, going through your phone, yeah, who the fuck did I ring? How long did I talk to them for? And that racing heart feeling that you get, you can't sleep all night because you're stressing about it. I was just getting to the point where I'd had enough, but I couldn't stop. Every time I tried to stop, I would say that's it for, you know, two or three weeks and then back on it again. I'll just have one. Yeah, I can handle this. I've done two weeks. I can, I can just have one. And then, you know, it's Tuesday night. I'm having just one and my one turns into eight and then questionable, (laughs) questionable behavior. And the whole cycle would start again. Yeah. And so finally uh, a group of us, there was myself, my husband, Ash, a couple of other friends, Scott Owen from the band, The Living End, who's the bass player in The Living End, yep. his partner, Claire, we all decided to take a year off because yep. we're all such bad, bad trash bags. And we just wanted a break. I think we all just wanted to give each other that permission to yep. do it as well. And we're just like, yeah, we're all in. We all did it. So New Year's, New Year's Day, 2017, I think it was, or 2018. Shit, I should be able to remember that. We, we decided to stop for a year. Yeah. Yeah. And then when, once there's a whole story to that, but then once we got to the end of that year, um, myself, Ash, Scott and Claire all decided we weren't going to go back, even though that was the plan to get yep. shit faced at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, I don't want to go back to feeling like that. I, yep. And, you know, I'm, I'm painting a pretty quick picture of that. But if I was to go into depth about it, the anxiety, the depression, the shame, the sick feeling from all that, you know, yeah. the way I felt about myself, like I could cry thinking about that old version of me, how much I just despised myself. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I hated who I was. Yeah. And so I thought, I don't want to go. I just, I can't go back to that. I don't want to go back to that. I worked too hard in that year on myself to regain my self-confidence and regain the connection to myself. So I thought yeah. I'm not going back. And I said to Ash quite sheepishly, I don't want to go back. And then he's like, me either. Like, no way. He was loving who he'd become because his journey is incredible. You should get him on one day to talk. Yeah. Um, and the same with Scott and Claire. They said the same. And we're like, fuck you, beauty. Let's keep this going. And that was a bit scary to go never again. Yeah. But as I eased into that and allowed that to happen and just thought, and I just, anytime I thought, oh, this is a bit boring, whatever, I just thought about the way that I was. I'm yeah. not going back. So, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. So, so you, so you consciously thought never again. Um, At the end of that year. Yeah. 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 Look, and I did think to myself, this is the decision I'm making, but it's still a day by day process. Yeah. 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 So super interesting. Um, (laughs) Heaps to unpack and we'll probably Mm -hmm. go in every which way direction. So great. there's something about Castlemaine, just quickly. Um, no mm-hmm. offense to the great people of Castlemaine, but we've had a couple of guests that are from Castlemaine. Oh, the- true. <laughs> um, well, it's become the trendy place to be now. When I, know, I was growing the- up there, it was the arse end of the world. Like the it was pit, like, huh? Oh my! And it, there was a nightclub called the Pit. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So that's what I was going to ask you because it's actually interesting that whole regional, uh, like being from a regional area, alcohol. So, mm-hmm. so a couple of questions. Um, and again, this is no slight on people that are from regional rural areas, but mm-hmm. um, did, did you find that like you, do you think that you were drinking like that in Castle, Maine because that's just what young people do? Or do you reckon that was, um, there was fuel added to the fire because there's sort of like nothing to do in the bush mm. kind of thing? Yeah, well, I didn't play sport. I think that had a lot to do with it. I rode horse. We had horses. But then when I got to that kind of 14 years old, I think we moved into Castlemaine, sold all the horses. So I didn't have my normal things that I would do. And so it's probably there's a bit of boredom. 
Yeah. There was a bit of my self-worth wasn't great because of um, childhood stuff, I guess. My mum's an addict um, without blaming her. But um, yeah, and then my friends, you know, I was very um, Gabor Mate calls it peer oriented. So I, I yeah. leaned on my friends from that sense of home, that sense of belonging. And so I guess I followed suit with what they were doing. And then again, without blaming them, because I would, would have been just as much of a ringleader. Yeah. It was a way in which as soon as the alcohol hit the system, suddenly you didn't feel like this nervous kid anymore that didn't yeah. fit in. Suddenly you were kind of cool. You were, you know, you didn't care anymore. You didn't have the inhibitions and you were doing what everyone else did. Mm. Even though in my teens, I did stuff you know, like with, you know, really promiscuous, didn't care. Oh, I did care. I just wanted to be loved. Right. So you sort of end up in bed with this one, that one, whatever, and you get used. So then again, you feel even your self-worth is in the toilet even more the next day. And I don't know, in a small country town, there's that stigma around that kind of stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So just this whole sense of not feeling good enough and, we're just all kind of, like a lot of my friends that I gravitated, like my, my friend group, we were all the same. Yeah. So we all drank and we all, I think not playing sport is a huge thing for kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, having that kind of sense of something to do on the weekend. And mind you, there was, a, you know, the football players there, which is the huge, the jock culture. Um, yeah. They were all playing sport and they were all, <laughs> they were just as bad. There was a lot of trauma in there too. You know, I had a lot of friends die. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, by suicide or car accidents and that the same thing you know from yeah. having nothing to do and it was a funny place to grow up and so not blaming Castlemaine you can't blame your geography but <laughs> um you know that that was my story yeah yeah, yeah. no it, it's interesting because um yeah just recently we've been talking to a lot of people from yeah regional and and rural mm-hmm. areas and it just seems like, um, and I'm sure there's stats I'll, I should go and have a look and read it out on the next podcast but it seems like there is like some higher rates and there's got to be something, something to it. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's also something to do with when I was growing up there too, there was a, this sort of triangle, I think it was Bendigo, Kite and Castlemaine. And those Mm. areas actually had the highest suicide rate for teens. Yeah. It might even still hold that title. I'm not sure. Um, I guess now it's probably leaning more into indigenous communities, but um, yeah, that had a very high suicide rate, um, which yeah, just shocking. Yeah. And I just think, I don't know, it's yeah, a lot of I guess not not having stuff to do. And I've got a friend there who's um does amazing youth work outreach stuff. Yeah. Sarah Cook, she has a great dance studio, their movement zone, and she does a lot with the kids and stuff around mental health, which would have been great for us yeah. when we were kids, I'm sure. Yeah. So and that that's what I was gonna ask you. You know, you've talked a lot about already, which is hundred percent the same for me uh the same for most people that we talk to when did you make that connection that maybe my you know um drinking isn't so much about the drinking it's kind of solving something for me it's all this stuff that it's mm. soothing underneath not feeling good enough as you said and yeah loneliness and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. i didn't actually realize that till i stopped yeah <laughs> Interesting. it's it was in hindsight when i look back and with, um, I guess, with my own, working with my own therapist, like I said to you earlier, um, mm. studying with Dr. Gabor Mate, so through his processes and just kind of realising, oh, wow, I, I, it was a dysfunctional relationship, mine with alcohol, and I always hated it, but I kind of thought I did it for fun or yeah. I didn't really know why I did it. Mm. So I guess, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been a hindsight thing for me. Yeah, um, That's one thing why I do what I do, the podcast I do and, uh, and coaching people from a trauma-informed perspective mm. to try and understand that because I wish I had have understood that yeah. when I was drinking all the time, but we didn't, there wasn't really podcasts except for an AA one, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is, that's what I listened to. Um, yeah. So it was definitely a hindsight thing. Yeah. yeah. And I wish, I wish that I had have had that light bulb moment at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. So um and I, I just want to come to that AA stuff soon and how you pulled yourself out of it and all of that. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, like with alcohol, it seems like for a lot of people, I don't know if you agree that it's a slow burn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you have mm-hmm. fun 
and you haven't bun for a long time or it doesn't really feel like a problem until it does. And then often you look back and you go, shit, that's been like 10 years of drinking or that's been five years or however long it is, right? Mm -hmm. When did that actually happen for you? Um, How deep into the patterns were you? Like you, you kind of briefly mentioned before, but yeah, roughly like how long have you been drinking for before you went, oh, this is a problem or this isn't going how I want it to go? Mm, I think early on I would wake up the day after like a big binge and think, fuck, that's no good. Like I, I wished yeah. I didn't do that. Um, and even declaring in my 20s, that's it. I'm never drinking again because I thought, I'd, you know, I'd made a fool out of myself or I'd abused someone. Yeah. If I drank beer, I'd get really aggressive and I didn't realise that until later. So, um, you know, being yeah, quite abusive to my friends, to Ash, to family. Um, and so that's just really embarrassing. Um, so I, I guess that was a problem, but I just thought I'll get, I'll, I'll figure it out. (laughs) I'll figure out a better way to drink. So then rather than take away the drink, I switched my drink out. One day my mum said to me, Oh, I can't drink beer. It makes me shit, you know, it makes me, um, crazy or makes me, it turns me into bitch. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I'll I'll stop drinking that. I'll drink white wine. (laughs) And then white wine was okay until I got me completely shit faced. And then, you know, I couldn't you know, that I was having blackouts. So then I thought, well, I'll go to vodka. And this is over decades, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's just the same shit, different drink, you know, or it's, it's different, you know? And then, so I was realizing all the way along that there was a problem yeah. with it, but I didn't know how to change it. And wow. I thought if I changed the drink or if I change my geography, or if I change something will change. It was in my, probably in my later thirties that I started to go, I started to drink on my own a little bit. So not daily. I wasn't a daily drinker. I was very much binge binge drinker, Mm -hmm. but it was starting to creep in more and more. And that's when I started to think, no, this is not cool. You know, starting to drink on my own one or two bottles on my own when Ash was away on tour, feeling lonely, just drinking through that. And then I thought, okay, I used to be the person that didn't, I could never understand someone drinking on their own. Yeah. Then becoming someone that was drinking on their own. And I thought, no, this is, I could recognize that that wasn't cool. But again, I don't know how to change it. If it wasn't for my friends saying, I'm going to take a year off, I probably, I don't know, would I still be there? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just grateful that I'm not. So, yeah. So in answer to your question, it it was early on that I realized there was problems with it, um, but it became more and more apparent as, as time went on. And also with my husband, you know, it was causing problems in our relationship. Yeah. So identifying that and knowing it was the alcohol because we didn't have any problems unless we were drinking and then we'd have these huge fights or, you know, I was, you know, he, I wouldn't feel comfortable around him drinking. You know, there was a whole lot with that, with that as well. So yeah, realizing that, okay, the, the big component here is the alcohol, not the yeah. relationship. So, yeah. yeah. Really interesting. And so, cause you mentioned that you stopped with a group of your friends. Um, mm-hmm. Was everybody sort of in your circle, I guess, kind of drinking like you and your husband were? And do you think you you sought that out just like unconsciously and surrounded yourself with people that were doing the same thing you were? 100%. Like all of our friends were big drinkers. Yeah. Every one of them. There was a couple that stopped. There was one friend in particular. She's, She's been on my podcast, Lissy Turner. She used to, she was a Triple J presenter, Mel Bampton. She was Mel in the morning. Yeah. And um, anyway, she was the hugest trash bag and she stopped drinking. <laughs> and she was the only person really that I knew. And then people that didn't drink much, we avoided like the plague. Like they're yeah. fucking boring. <laughs> oh God, no, no, don't hang out with them. And so we, we would surround ourselves, I guess, with people that would drink a lot. So it wouldn't seem unusual. But you know what? It still did seem unusual when you're still like the drunkest person in the at the party. Yeah. Um, or your big your friends that are big drinkers going, fuck, you were like wasted last night. Yeah. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. It was all it was everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And was it like you mentioned before that um, see, and this is why we have people on the show, because people really have like cool fucking lives i can imagine you know are you a blues musician musician as well or, or no i'm really uncool i played like i played country music 
that's country and cool and folk music not really yeah yeah yeah, ash is definitely the cool one in this (laughs) relationship i haven't played music for a long time or i do the odd thing here and there but um no (laughs) definitely not not cool on my end (laughs) come on come on but was it was it linked was it linked to that for you like the alcohol and the music and this whole sort of like vibe or did you have awesome peak experiences pissed and playing music with not so much for me that was the case for ash but not for me because i was it would affect my singing voice when i sing so Mm -hmm. oh when i drink so i was very always very careful not to drink much i'd only have one or two but still i had to always have one or two to play but would never exceed that i think if i got drunk at a gig um I don't, I don't really think I ever did, to be honest, to play. I'd get drunk afterwards, but not, yeah. not during because it would affect my singing too much. You can't pitch properly. When, yeah. Um, yeah, so not so much for me, but it would definitely the around it, you know, the rehearsing or the hanging out with other musicians afterwards, hanging out with your own band members afterwards, you know, became, yeah, yeah it's a pretty big drinking culture Yeah. within it. Yeah, it's pretty toxic. So, you know, the, the music industry mm. is pretty pretty rife with it so just just quickly and my my head's just going there because i don't have a musical bone in my body much (laughs) much to my wife's dismay she likes Mm -hmm. the piano and all that kind of stuff um Mm -hmm. but there seems to be yeah like uh just to throw broad sheet over it like uh addiction problems you know not just for musos but like within the whole creative Mm-hmm. Um, space like how do you how do we start having that conversation with people I, I don't know if it's because they're more like like open and sensitive and you know it's all coming I don't know mm-hmm. why but it just seems to be a thing like it's mm-hmm. sort of hard to deny it or maybe it's just because they get famous and they're out there in the open but well yeah. like us well for sure it's like like I say it's one of those jobs where you it's acceptable for you to drink um to get up on stage takes a bit of courage I guess so some people might need that as a starting point Uh to get up on stage and then you're getting given so much free alcohol you get get paid in alcohol sometimes right like you're starting out (laughs) when you're starting out you might get paid in alcohol or punters are buying you alcohol when you get bigger you're getting this huge rider which is full of alcohol you know backstage so ash's riders would be huge and look often still like he always requests non-alcoholic beers or not to have alcohol for himself but you know towards the end of his drinking there was bottles of scotch and every kind of beer and this and that wine and if we didn't finish it with our friends and whatever after the show it would go straight into the case to take home and add to our bar at home (laughs) and you know it's so expected so and to be honest people I think early on you think that you need it to tap into your creative creativity mm-hmm. but in you know in hindsight and so Ash could like definitely talk to this that he's been so much more creative without the alcohol it's opened up so much more creative space and I just interviewed Josh from the Waves the band Australian yeah. band the Waves yeah and he's he quit drinking at 27 and he's written some incredible songs and again you know we talked about that inspiration you know where it comes from i think it comes from a higher place yeah. and and that gets blocked when you're drinking alcohol you're doing drugs so they you know you think all these great musicians jimi hendrix and all this, i wonder what they could have actually been capable of yeah. had they just meditated and got into their their state in another way and i've had quite a quite a few musicians on my podcast now who all say that they're their their creativity just went through the roof when they stopped blocking it with alcohol yeah so it's amazing what's actually what you are what you can become capable of Mm. without the alcohol so yeah yeah that's it's it's an important message and i think it's cool that's why i'm keen to have people like yourself on talk about it that have had experiences um yeah in in being creative and um doing cool things with their creativity don't worry my dog's here i'm just waiting for her to go crazy and bark oh there's a dog outside barking and then mine's just gone (laughs) (laughs) um yeah because that's something that people say like every time i talk to someone about uh like they want to stop um and but then you know all the reasons come up why they can't there's Mm -hmm. so many different ones but for, for people that are creative artists um musicians whatever it is that always say that oh, i'm not going to be as creative 
as when I'm, you know, not using or drinking or whatever it is. Um, mm, it's, and it's just re- so untrue. And I feel so sad that that's what they, they feel. And I would challenge those people to take some, some time out and do some inner work and then see where their creativity goes. Because like I say, everyone I've spoken to and through our own experience, it just, your creativity just goes absolutely through the roof. Like if you're a songwriter and you're journaling every day and doing, say there's a thing in the artist's way called morning pages. So getting up and writing, you know, people get so inspired by that. And like I say, it comes from a different place. Like songwriters listening to this could probably identify with this, that when you write that really good song, it just comes. And it's like, I don't even know how I wrote this song. It just came out of me. And, you know, I don't know, like, yeah, that inspiration is so, there's just a huge, huge well of that there. And it's something that you can tap into and you do not need alcohol for it. I just think alcohol hinders it, if anything. And I would, like I say, challenge those people to take some time and really work on their craft and see if that changed. Yeah. So uh-huh. one thing that Ash did, um, sorry, early on with, with his sobriety, because he's had a lot of energy and a lot of time on his hands, he just went to town doing scales on his guitar. Yeah. So many scales like up down constantly. I was about to throw the fucking guitar in the swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> and but you know what? His his playing just improved out of sight. So then, you know, his shows, then you know, he's like he's doing some insane guitar work. Yeah. And then people are going, far out, man, your guitar playing's out of control. Like, <laughs> and that was all from sobriety. Yeah. And he'll tell anyone that he's like, yeah, I quit drinking and just started practicing scales. Yeah. That's all I had to do 10 minutes a day. Super interesting. <laughs> super interesting. Isn't it? So, so I'm, it's, it's my bugbear because as I'm sure with your podcast, a lot of people tune into this um, show, either family members is a big percentage or people that are like at that point where they think they want to change and do something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always interested to kind of talk about like how you've thought about your sobriety or recovery or change process. I'm not sure how you refer to it, refer to it or think about it, but it sounds, it sounds like, and am I correct? You had your group of friends, like you, you weren't happy with your, um, relationship with alcohol and and Mm -hmm. how it was playing out in your life, but maybe you weren't at that point where you were like in the frame of mind of thinking I need to like go to rehab or counseling or something like that. Would that be fair to say? And it kind of came on organically because you had the group of people around you that were wanting to maybe change their behavior as well. Would you say that or, or were you actually at the point where you were like wanting, wanting help in terms of. Yeah. yeah. So this is the interesting thing because I wasn't a daily drinker. Yeah. But I did not know, I didn't know what to do because I'm like, well, I don't need to go. I'm not an AA person because yeah. I'm not a daily drinker and I didn't see myself in that space. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm not, I did toy around with the thought of getting counseling because I'm like, I don't know how to fix this. Hmm. You know, I'm so sick to death of saying, right, that's it. And then the same pattern just keeps happening. I just didn't know what to do. So I started reading. So before. Hey, lovely humans, super quick interruption to the podcast. As you guys know, uh, we are not accepting any advertising for this podcast. We want to keep it organic as possible. But our one ask is because it helps us to hack the algorithms and progress through the ranks. Uh, If you enjoy the show and you like what we're putting down and putting out, uh, we would love it if you could rate and review us, um, five stars, of course, on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on again, because it helps us progress through the ranks um, and potentially reach more people providing, you know, hopefully some hope and information and change a few lives along the way. So we would really appreciate that. Now back to the show. Before my friend Lisa had suggested the the year off, we'd already started to read. I think the first book I read was Russell Brandt's book. Um, That's great, actually. It's a really good book. What's it called again? Recovery. Recovery, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And then I read, might have been Annie Grace's book, The Naked Mind. So I started to read different quit literature yeah, yeah. to get myself. It didn't make me stop drinking, but it yeah. made me start to explore the idea more planted the and <laughs> it planted the seed, right? And then um, 
yeah so then I guess when that space became available with the friends to quit that was the great kind of diving board I guess the place where I could jump from um, into it and then what was great about that was that there was a group of us I think having a group of people or someone at least someone to do it with that you can be accountable to really helped so we had a whatsapp group and we called it club sober and we were living in Bali at the time so um you know anytime there was something coming up we'd talk we'd talk about it so I'd be like oh my god I've got to go back and I've got to go to a wedding and I'm really freaking out about it and then everyone would support me in that or if Ash had a gig or whatever if so we talked about what we were worried about and we found that support and then checking in with them when we got home afterwards how did you go yeah, good. I'm at home. No problem. So having that support is really important. Um, yeah. So did I answer your question? hundred percent. So, so, so interesting, like, because what, what I'm finding, and again, people have heard this at nauseum that listen to our show. Um, you know, I, I did quite a bit of time in 12 step fellowships, but mm-hmm it never quite like in a lot of ways it didn't connect with me in there was some stuff that did all that stuff and i find that the same with people that are listening to the show they want things to be different but maybe they don't 100 percent connect to like some of the old school language in 12-step fellowships or whatever like Mm -hmm. they're wanting that community thing but they're just like not sure how to do it and i think it's really interesting with stories like like yours where you know you can actually recreate that in a different format that feels like comfortable for you with that support um yeah which is really cool yeah well people quit just from listening to podcasts like this that's right like yours or mine or other podcasts that are out there now there's lots of them popping up some people will use that as their resource because they don't feel so lonely but then there's a great online community you know of people on instagram that is there's so many sober people to follow Mm. um victoria vanstone she's drunk mummy sober mummy she started up a platform called kappa which is where people can go on and and log on so i guess for people wanting that community support it used to only be aa i Mm. guess but now there's lots of things popping up i think if you're a daily drinker and you've really really need to dig in and you know it's it's pretty intense i think aa 100 like it's one of the most successful programs that 12-step program yeah it's actually a beautiful process you know i there's some things i don't agree with like the labeling like i'm an alcoholic i don't feel yeah. like someone that hasn't had a drink for more than should label I'm, I'm i when i work with people and within my groups um we work a lot on getting rid of old labels yeah So, you know, it's because we live in accordance to our labels. Mm. So for me, it's like I'm Danny and I'm doing the best I can to reconnect with myself or, you know, I'm, um, I'm living my best life where if I was to, I don't agree with walking around saying, Oh, I've I've got a problem with alcohol. Yeah. Cause I, I don't have a problem with alcohol. I had a problem with some um, confidence issues and I was very sensitive and I didn't know how to sit in the uncomfortable. So, and this is what I guess, Dealing with an addiction is, you know, Gabor Mate says this as well. You know, all addiction is an attempt to solve a problem. 100%. So, okay, how do I sit? In, and, my, and most addicts hate being uncomfortable. Mm, mm. And, and some people who are addicted or have been addicted might get annoyed with that statement, but it's true. Whether it's that we can't handle some pain from our past, past traumas, or where we can't sit in our own issues with our own self-confidence, that's that's probably more so for the binge drinkers. You know, I'm not enough. I can't handle this feeling. I'm stressed at work, whatever it is. So I'm going to lean on my addiction to take me out of that for a while. So learning to identify what it is we're trying to escape from yeah. and how can I sit with that and how can I have some tools around that to be okay. Yeah. And it's not saying I'm going to get rid of that feeling because we probably can't because it might be in there from childhood, but to become okay with that. And there's so many ways we can do that rather than pushing it back down again with our addiction. You know, we can learn to sit with what's painful and, and kind of almost welcome it. I know that sounds really weird and yeah. might sound scary for some people, but what is it about me that's making me want to escape? What is mm. it that's there? And can I give that part of me some love mm. rather than fucking smashing it with drugs or alcohol or some other way of escaping? It's, it's so interesting. I agree. That's kind of a realization that I had um, 
yeah, like a few years into my journey was, mm. was yeah, like continually calling myself like an addict or, or an alcoholic, even though I was sober. Um, just, I, you know, I started to learn about like unconscious belief systems and, mm-hmm. you know, like cognitive biases and what you attach your associations right. to unconsciously. And if you think yep. about like an alcoholic, most people would jump to what, is portrayed on movies, you know, someone laying kind of broken on a park bench, drinking out mm-hmm. of a paper bag, even if that's not your story or whatever it is. So if you're constantly referring to yourself like that when you're down the track wanting to change, mm-hmm. then, you, then you're constantly keeping yourself anchored in, you know, that, that in place, that aren't you? Yeah. yeah, and <laughs> I can see why they do it. Um, but for me, it's just a little fear-based yeah. Um, but I do understand why they do it. So if, if an alcoholic, say, has to remind themselves every day that they're an alcoholic, so therefore they can't drink, mm. I get it. I 100% get it. And it's worked for so many people as well. But 100%. there is a part of me that goes, oh, I don't know, could we, re, could we work around that label a little bit? And look, I do believe that within the fellowship, they are starting to soften on that a little bit. Mm. And our work, I think they're aware that, you know, there's a new way of, you know, especially with this sort of new form of psychology that's coming through mm. um, about holding your pain and, and dealing with traumas and things like that. So mm. um, I, I guess that that's probably maybe a work in progress within the fellowship. But I, again, I can't speak to that much because I haven't done the program. Mm. Um, Lyndall, who works with me, it helps people through our challenge groups. She is, she identifies as an alcoholic and is doing the 12 step program. And she's mm. really passionate about it. And, and that's fine. You know, that's what works for her and, you know. That's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. right. I, I, I tell people all the time, like, you know, it's something that's worth going to and, um, and trying because, it, yeah, as you said, it's, it's on record the most successful it is. <laughs> recovery yep. program out there um, yep. and the biggest worldwide as well, uh, 100% agree. Um, yeah, and there's that, I, I guess, again, sorry, just cut off there, but it's that sense of connection and community. And Johan Hari, in his famous TED Talk about addiction, says the opposite to addiction is connection. Mm. And so having connection to other people that are on the same path is really important. And I think that's what's so great about AA. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so because I'm interested because you, and, and that's where I was going with this, like, so you, maybe you didn't at first enter into those formal like treatment processes or mm-hmm. um, recovery processes, but you sort of uh, organically recreated it with your friendship group. Mm-hmm. When did you start having some of these realizations, you know, because I'm listening to you and, you know, having spoken to different psychologists and mm-hmm. people that have been in recovery and all that you you have all the awareness and the understanding of like what anyone would have that goes through, you know, a traditional treatment process. And I know you've been going through this journey for a while, mm-hmm. but yeah. When did you start having those realizations and what was that like in that first year when, yeah, you started noticing different mm. things about yourself and how did you deal with it and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Well, early on within the first two weeks of us entering that first 12 months of sobriety, um, I was like, what the fuck have I done? are you kidding me do I have to do this for another fucking year oh my god and all my shit was coming up like all this stuff around um for me it was this social anxiety I'd only just realized though that I've got social anxiety but feeling nervous around people and oh my god how am I going to go and have how am I going to have fun how am I going to talk to people oh my god how am I going to go to a party and not get smashed like who even am I like if I don't do that. Yep. So, I, and I was just like, oh my God, this is fucked. This is fucked. This is fucked. So that was, that was me for the first few weeks. And then I, <laughs> I realized, I think I was reading a lot of Tony Robbins at the time. Yep. And I started to realize through what he does and his messaging that that's, that's a really negative way of thinking. Yep. And I'd been so negative. Oh my God. So, you know, like I said earlier, the way I thought about myself, you know, if someone I was so sensitive, if someone said anything to me I could be up for two days three days not sleeping stressing on it like why did they say that what did I do what did I do you know blah 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 blah. so I realized I was just stuck in a loop and it was all negative so the first thing I did I went and got a journal Mm because I thought 
how do I get out of this? And just through reading different things, I think I'm going to start a gratitude practice. Mm -hmm. And because I read that having a gratitude practice helps you to start seeing the world in a different way. It helps you start, stop scanning for the negative and start looking for positives that are in life. Wow. Okay. So I started doing that and every day I started to feel really good. And then I started to have a nighttime, write down something that had gone well in the day. Mm -hmm. Ah, this is cool. And so leaning more on that. And then I just started, I don't know, I think listening to a lot of podcasts, just picking up little different ideas that I was hearing, like positive affirmation stuff, like I am, and then what follows the words I am will come to find you. So we would write down every day, a list of I am's. So it was like, I am, you know, Ash was like, I'm building the body of a superhero. And I was like, I am becoming a yogi or I am this, or I am that, but it was all very positive. So every, and then I, so I worked really hard on my mind Yeah. and oh my God, it started to feel really good. And then, then I'd start like even writing like little nice things to myself, things that were good about me because I'd spent, I thought I'm going to do the opposite to what I've always done. Mm -hmm. So instead of putting myself down all the time, I would start to write down things that were good about me. Like I'm actually a really good mom or I'm a really good friend. I'm, you know, I've got a lot to offer. Yeah. You know, so, with within my groups. And so interesting. It was I was life-changing, honestly. I've still got the journal here. And so I just and then I got really obsessed with self-help. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I, I listened to a lot of Wayne Dyer. I talk about Wayne Dyer all the time in my podcast. Dr. Wayne Dyer, the most beautiful amazing spiritual teacher yeah very soft and very gentle he's passed away now but um he's got a beautiful podcast channel loads of books loads of audio heaps of stuff on youtube and i didn't go a day without listening to something that was either wayne or you know anything eckhart tolle any of those people that had a lot to offer and i thought they're the people i want to be like yeah so they're the people i'm going to listen to yeah. And also removing some toxic friendships out because all I wanted to be around was good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I really made it that my life's mission in that year. And it was so life-changing. And that's why I got to the end and thought, mm. I'm not going back. And that's why I created the How I Quit Alcohol Playbook, which is based on my own journals and my own journey and everything I did that year mm. that got me through because it worked. <laughs> and yeah. it wor- it really did work for me. You know, and so I'm not saying that that's what everyone should do, but that, and Ash did the same and it worked for him. Yeah. So yeah. And just, um, that's what I did. It it, it sounds like, um, above all else, and that's what I say to people as well. And it's hard and it's scary to do that. And I think that's where the connection comes in, but yeah, you went all chips in and, you know, all in for the 12 months and you just kind of dedicated yourself to a different way of living. Right. Like, cause why, you know, you do what you've always done. You get what you've always got. That's, that's a Wayne Dyer quote. So let's do things. And I thought I've got to do things differently. Mm. And only I can get myself out of this. I'm the, I'm the one that got me here and it's only me that can get me out of here. So I was so determined to get, cause I was suffering a lot of anxiety as well. You know, I've hardly, I don't think I've really had any panic attacks since I quit a couple like, Mm. um, but mostly no. And, and, you know, oh my God, I've just become so resilient. And the more I educated myself. So anyone that I work with that I'm coaching, I always like educate yourself, just keep reading, like learn everything you can about a different way of being. Mm. It doesn't matter who the fuck it is. I don't care who you read, but just someone that inspires you to be different. Read that, do more of that, listen to them. And um, I think that makes all the difference. So getting rid of the negative, uh, like I haven't watched the news for years. I don't, I will not watch the news. If I'm in someone's house, they've got the news on. I ask them to turn it off. I'm the biggest pain in the ass. And if there's anything serious, people will fucking tell you about it anyway. Do you know what? I haven't listened to the news for years and I've, I've known when there was a global pandemic, I knew when there was a flood coming here to where we live. I, I get what I need to hear, yeah. but I do not watch the news. I will not watch that news ever. It's shit on a stick. That's what I call it. It's just so <laughs> negative. And so, and, and recognizing negative people, they had yeah. to go because yeah. I was so, I've just created this beautiful space. You know, how hard was that? Because that's what I, so when I, when I, when I talk to people, it's really interesting if they've been to like um, lots of different um, rehabs or they've, mm-hmm. or they've tried a lot of different stuff, which is, which is awesome. And they, they're like, I just can't fucking work out 
why I can't change. And then if you just go through mm. the simple, simple stuff and you go, um, like, who are you spending your time with most? Right. They'll, they'll kind of say, well, I know I should change that, but I still have like this mate and these people that I'm hanging out yeah. with. And you're kind of like, oh, and then like, where are you hanging out? Oh, well, on Saturday night, I still go to the, like the pub with my mates. I don't right. want to, I don't want to drink, but like, you know, and it's just that. So they're scared of change. Yeah. But it's so hard to change the people, isn't it? Like, because you got a connection with them in some way. Well, that's what I've find. Yeah. I would be well. asking that person about that part of them that feels like they need to be around those sort of people Yeah. or ask them about why they, there's fear there. That just screams fear to me, the fear of change and a fear of something different. So I, I would be talking to that fear if anything, yeah. so saying, okay, what are you scared of? Yeah. You know, and, and perhaps you're better off to be on your own. And some people are scared to be on their own because there's demons in there, but learning to be with the demons <laughs> is part of that recovery and learning to be on your own and loving your own company. So if there's no one else to hang out with, that's not going to kind of benefit your recovery, you're better off to be on your own and being on your own can end up becoming a beautiful place to be. So I used to never be on my, I, I couldn't be on my own. Now I love being on my own. If yeah. I can be on my own, I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I want to be. I just want to hang out with me because yeah. I honestly love me so much. And that has not been a quick process. It's been a long process, but it's one that I'm really dedicated to. Yeah. And I'm so glad, you know, Jack, because to not like who you are mm. and not like to be in there, I mean, it's it's not great because this is where we are. <laughs> we've only got ourselves. Yeah. And we're going to spend a lot of time with ourselves throughout our lifetime. Yeah. So, you know, figuring out how to unpack it all so we can get to our true essence of who we are. Sorry, I'm getting a bit hippy-dippy, but I'm so into hey, this stuff. We're, we're hippy-dippy here. Don't worry. You're uh... <laughs> You're amongst you're amongst friends. Um, yeah. So, just just quickly, if, if I can, I know we're running out of time. Couple couple of questions. Um, what made you? So, with all of that, with all these experiences that you've had, mm-hmm. what made you go? I want to take it to the next level and be public about this. And you know, like uh, I was looking on Instagram. I think like your podcast is like top five or top top ten or something in like a category yeah like what made you want to just go this is me tell the world yeah yeah good question um well it started because my husband ash had a podcast obviously and lots of people were contacting us going how the fuck did you two do it like this is probably (laughs) within about a second year of sobriety like people saying okay well they're actually for real they're actually doing this and How did they do it was his podcast about this stuff or was it about something else and you just were talking about it his podcast was called um, Soulful Conversations yeah. and it was just about deep conversations with experts or whatever. And he also wrote a book in our first year of sobriety yeah. and it's called Surf by Day, Jam by Night. It's where he, he <laughs> and he, he interviewed people that are really top of their field, like Jack Johnson, Kelly Slater, like musicians yeah. and surfers who were at the top of their field, but they had to surf and play music. And he found this common thread with all of them that they either didn't drink at all or they didn't drink much. And so he sort of started talking about that a bit on his podcast too and realising, wow, they've got to these huge heights and they don't drink. Yeah, They don't take drugs. Like they're just, that's not what they do because they're so laser focused on where they want to be. And he was like, mm-hmm. wow. So he started to talk about that on the podcast. And I said to him, I think you should write a, a book or something about alcohol. And he's like, oh, I don't know. And he, he was a bit unsure about it. And <sighs> I think then I said, we should do a podcast on quitting alcohol because so many people are asking us how we did it. Mm. And I just felt this real strong push to do it. Like it was just full on, like I couldn't shake it. And then he said, why don't you do one? I was like, mm, all right. And so um, <laughs> I interviewed him. We did a podcast together and just straight away, it was just like, I, you know, he put it out there on his socials, I think. And then it just huge, just straight away, all these people contacting us and messaging us. So then I just organically grew. So I interviewed each person that we'd quit with and then some other friends that had quit and just kind of spread from there. So I think now it's, um, it's, yeah, it's number six on the Australian self improvement podcast, which, you know, it's not, that's nothing, but it, it, it's something. It's pretty pretty cool. It's pretty cool. 
yeah, it's, it's it's got a huge following and it's it's great, you know, and I get so many messages every day from people just so grateful, but also mm. saying that I've quit you just using your podcast. That's cool. And um but yeah. But that's why I think it's amazing is cuz cuz people don't realize I I should have had some stats prepared cuz everybody loves a good stat and I'm not a stats guy. I just get them off the internet. But um <laughs> The, I'm not a statsman either. <laughs> but but yeah, like alcohol is hands down. Like uh, I was talking to someone the other day, um, like a, you know, like a professor slash researcher, like hands down alcohol is like one of the leading causes of, you know, um, poor health in Australia. Oh, for sure. And if you were to actually like map it out on the charts, like they do with other, you know, um, things that affect people's health like it's a huge problem in this country like a massive problem but because it's part of our culture and all that you know people don't really think about it in that framework so that's why Mm -hmm. i think it's super cool that your podcast is up there on the ranks because i don't know what other ones are on there but there's probably you know like um Tony Robbins style self-help stuff. Yeah, and then Rich Roll it, and Gabrielle Bernstein. That was amongst the, the company on that that one. There wasn't that's the thing, you know, like people, I think a lot of people are starting to identify that they have a problem with alcohol. Yeah. But like you say, because it's everywhere, no one knows how to how to stop. Or yeah. no one knows that's like all my friends are doing it. How do you know? And they feel alone in it. So I yeah. guess podcasts like this one, like yours and like mine people can start tuning in and saying, wow, that's my story as well. Mm. Oh, I understand that that person gets me because and they feel connected then and then they don't feel alone and they don't feel so ashamed because we feel so ashamed when an addiction has taken hold of us or we can't stop something mm. or it makes us behave in certain ways that we don't, we wouldn't normally behave. We feel responsible, but we don't blame the fucking alcohol or the drug. <laughs> we blame ourselves. Yeah. So this is what... That's my mission with the podcast is for people to understand it's alcohol. Like if you think about the last fucked up thing you did, Mm. whether, you know, like really fucked up, was alcohol involved? Were drugs involved? You know, pretty much most likely, yes. You know, it's, you know, there's a great book by William Porter called Alcohol Explained. And I'd say to everyone to listen to that because it really shines the light on Mm. what the actual fuck you're drinking, but what it causes too. So there's, a whole host of cancers, but you know, domestic violence or promiscuity, 100%. like most people that cheat on their partners, they do it when they're pissed. Mm. You know, we do such questionable things that we wouldn't normally do if we were sober, mm. you know, so it's, it's a huge thing. And to realize that alcohol is the one to blame, not me. Mm. So you take the alcohol out, you take out that component or take the drug out. Things are starting to look pretty different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, so the other question I had for you, um, and again, the, the whole purpose of this show is just to hear all different people's perspectives. But so did you say since 2016 or 17, you've been on this? So we're four and a half years sober. So this so July that, will be four and a half years. So that's what I was going to ask you. Do, you. do you not drink at all? Not No. Yeah, completely not a, sober. Not a drop. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, completely sober. Um. If anything, like a couple of times we might have had some like microdosing of, of mushrooms way back. Yeah. But to be honest, even that doesn't interest me mm-hmm. anymore. Nothing interests me that's going to, the only way I want to reach a different state now is through meditation <laughs> or just having fun. Yeah. Like yeah. just having fun and just being, you know, yeah. I, I don't want anything to alter my state of consciousness anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, and what about like non-alcoholic drinks um i think you mentioned that yeah your husband when he plays he might request that stuff mm-hmm. and i don't know when you say that if you just mean like water <laughs> or you mean no. like actual like beers that are non-alcoholic stuff like that yeah 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 so and heaps of people i work with use those non-alcoholic drinks and i've got no problem with it for some people they'll find it triggering yeah so i guess it's knowing your own self like i could never drink non-alcoholic wine i just think it would trigger me and also i don't really want That's it the point. yeah but <laughs> Um, Ash, my hubby, he loves alcohol-free beers, and but he didn't do it. Uh, it was probably a couple of years later, and he was able to really understand that he likes beer. He actually likes the taste of beer, yeah. But he doesn't like alcohol. He doesn't like what alcohol does to him. 
So he just sees them as two very separate things. Mm. I think if someone's still drinking it, thinking that, I don't know whether they think they're going to get a little hit out. I don't know, but it's a, it, that's a, I tread very carefully with that one. So I yeah. don't really touch them. Mm. I do drink the, there's Monday distillery, the alcohol-free gin and tonic, because that oh, yeah. wasn't my drink. I think anything that may have been, I don't know, it's just different for each different person. So it's very much know thyself with maybe, that one. Maybe it's like one of the things where, um, and I don't know, again, you're right, everyone's different, but maybe having a period of time off everything and not having anything that might remind you of it and then revisiting it like, yeah, like 12 months down the track or Yeah, I like think that. so. And yeah. But then some people, they just straight up, they're just they're filling their yeah. fridge full of alcoholic-free beers, alcohol-free wines, alcohol-free sparkling, and they like that and that's what gets them through. So I've had people that I've coached that were like necking them after work and I'm like, ooh, but they've slowly <laughs> weaned off that. <laughs> yeah. And that's just what they needed to do. We know that's whatever right. gets you through. Yeah, I, yeah. I think big, don't overthink it uh-huh. and just do with what, go with what feels right. Yeah, 100%. You. So to finish up, um, with all that being said, all your knowledge, um, and again, everybody... I feel like one of those infomercials. This is <laughs> this is general advice only. Um, but mm-hmm. what would be sort of like your three biggest um, tips or recommendations Great. to people if they're thinking about changing their relationship to alcohol? They want to stop. Um, they want things to be different. What would you say to them? Can I say more than three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, <laughs> okay. sure, sure. Good, because <laughs> I've got a few in there. Firstly, I'd say, you know, identifying the problem. Like, do I have a problem? Yeah. Okay. And yes, if the answer is yes. Okay, great. Cause you got something to work with then. So what I would say is here's my top three. If you early on, I would say fill your fridge with every kind of drink that's not alcohol that you can think of. So I want loads of options in there. So soda waters, kombuchas, juices, coconut waters, vitamin water, all of it, everything, yeah. Yeah. get a soda stream, you yeah. know, get some really fancy cordials, really go hard into that stuff have a plan. So what is going to be my plan um, for the weekend? And I'm talking like, get it down on paper. So how am I going to get through the party? How am I going to get through when I'm bored? You know, really plan it out and have some really good ideas up your sleeve. Um, Identifying what it is that makes you want to drink. Yeah. So, or, or drug, I guess. Um, I've even worked with people getting off sugar. So it's the same thing. So it's identifying what it is, is if it's stress, Okay, how else can I relieve that without the alcohol? So it might be a long walk. Yeah. It might be taking deep breaths. It might be a long bath, nice cups of tea. Yeah. Um, so identifying the things that would make you drink and what you would do instead of. So if you drink to celebrate, I remember Ash got a record deal with Mushroom Records when we were about six months in mm-hmm. and we're like, fuck, how do we celebrate? <laughs> how do we celebrate this and i'd been to china and bought this really expensive tea and had this beautiful teapot i said i oh, know i'll bring out the good tea <laughs> <laughs> I, I know of another musician who every time she celebrates she gets salty chips and a bottle of kombucha <laughs> and that's her way she celebrates you know with the pack and that's the only time she'll eat salty chips yeah but that's her so think of ways that you can celebrate and then i guess the next really big step after that is okay can i try and be with these feelings that are making me feel uncomfortable mm. and just sit with it for a bit, just dip your toe in the water. And then I would also say as well, starting a gratitude practice is really important. That stuff we talked about earlier about changing the mindset. Yeah. And this is the biggest one. And I love this, this is my husband's words, but beside it's easy. Yeah. That is yeah. the biggest, the best, most amazing tool you've got. Decide it's easy because if you go into this thinking, oh my God, this is like I did in the first two weeks, this is fucked. Oh my God, I want to die. You know, it's going to be a shit, it's going to be a shit journey. Yeah. But if you go into this going, this is easy, this is going to be awesome. And I know that sounds simplistic, but every time you get triggered, it's easy. All you have to do is not drink. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is not put that drink to your lips. The rest, that's the easy bit. The rest, dealing with the emotional stuff could that comes later but yeah. <laughs> decide it's easy decide that this is a great thing to do for me and i'm doing it and be happy about it yeah yeah 
Danny, you're a star. Um, How I Quit Alcohol podcast. Everybody go and listen to it if you haven't already. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on, mate. I really appreciate it. Oh, Jack, thank you so much for having me. And I'd love to get you on my podcast as well. I'd love to hear about your journey. Done done Um, deal. And we got to put Ash in a virtual headlock and get him on the show as well. So, Oh, absolutely. I'm sure he'd love to do that. Um, And can I just, I'm finishing with that. If anyone wanted to reach out or had any questions, feel free. I'm on Instagram. It's how I quit alcohol. Um, and I'm pretty, I get back to everyone that messages me. So yeah, if anyone has any questions or anything, just reach out because that's what we're here for. Right. Awesome. And we'll put all the, um, details for your Instagram and, um, podcast in the show notes. So you can find it there. Good people. Awesome. Oh, thanks Jack. Love what you're doing. Thank you. No worries. Back at you. Cheers, mate. Peace. There we go, folks. Another podcast down. As I said off the top, Danny uh, has a really unique way of explaining, you know, the internal turmoil that she went through that I think really just like simplifies it um, and is something that everybody can relate to. I know I, I did. Um, and then, yeah, has a really cool story about how she turned it around. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Again, check out their stuff, How I Quit Alcohol. Uh, their main thing is the podcast. Check out that. Heaps of cool guests um, and another really helpful resource to check in with. Uh, look guys um, really enjoying putting out the shows weekly again I think we're going to go for Thursdays Um, just wanted to mention again we or I want to build a bit of a two-way conversation with the podcast so I'm not just sitting in my room here speaking into the microphone so we've got the hump day on um, email list uh, where I want to start that two-way conversation and the Facebook group as well I'll put the details for that in the show notes would love if you could subscribe we're not going to spam you um, I forgot to mention at the start though it will probably initially take you through um, messenger uh, it just helps us to filter out um, you know spammers and um, fake people basically we get a lot of that um, and what it actually does is clog up our email list and makes the deliverability of our emails really shit so we actually when you click on the link to join the email list um, it'll run you through um, our our Facebook messenger chat first um, because then what that does is that we're able to confirm that you're a real person don't worry we're not going to spam you or anything like that on Facebook messenger it's simply just like a two-step almost authentication process to help us um, make sure that we're getting real people on the list um, because I know all you beautiful people listening um, uh, are awesome and doing the right thing but there's heaps of bullshit out there <laughs> and it's annoying to um, yeah get spammed and scam myself so again would love it if you could join that uh, Wednesday hump day list um, sorry I can't even call it the right name hump day om uh, there's a bit of an explainer explainer in there when you join the list about what it's all about and why we call it that um, really just me entertaining myself but anyway um, yeah there'll be some interesting stuff tips tricks um, latest news my perspective on things but really again creating a two-way conversation with you so we'll try and put a bunch of free stuff in in there as well so we can at least give you a bit of a gift for uh, giving us your time and most of all I will not spam you okay so don't freak out it'll be maximum two emails a week one on Wednesday uh, which is hump day and one on probably Thursday or whatever day that we release the latest podcast just as a bit of a reminder that the podcast is out and some info on it as well um okay enough from me thanks guys for giving us your time um hope to see you in the facebook group on our list uh and look forward to vibing in news again soon peace